Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Rooker, it's a fly ball to deep center. Robert going back at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. Dolis Garcia sends on the other way. That sends Carroll back. Historic season. Julio with an absolute nuke out to left field. It's Glaber Day. And like a good Glaber, Torres is there. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to stuff plus <laughs> to walk-off dingers, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live, the final one of this week. We will not be here this weekend. A's Cast Live, Cactus League edition is just Monday through Friday. We'll be back on Monday, a day off on Tuesday. A day off? Spring training? I think there's two. It's next Tuesday, and then there's one like later in the month of March and uh, on the 21st, so two off days I believe in spring training and then uh, you know the season's right around the corner what the 28th of March I believe is opening day at the Coliseum so it's almost here we're we're in March now which is also known as birthday month for one of us no <laughs> do you have to bring that up I'm just letting hey we're, we're looking ahead send all your gifts for birthday gifts for moi <laughs> to the A's offices I will appreciate that I, I am not one that worries about dates and age not worry about it. People freak out about it. I don't. My wife was really paranoid when she turned 35. I was like, eh, I, have, I have a couple of gray hairs now. It means I'm aging and I'm getting wiser. I mean, it's like <laughs> it is what it is, right? I mean, it's the evolution of life is what it is. Yeah, that's fair. And you're going to go through it. And I know in my household when my twins graduate from high school this year, and if any of you are longtime fans of the show or follow my career – and I've always talked a lot about my kids. You'll be like, what? The twins are – whenever I tell people that, they go, they're graduating from high school? Uh-huh. The twins are graduating from high school. I mean, years ago on my talk show, I had a very popular segment called Townsend Twin Jokes, if you remember back, on 95.7 The Game. 
Yeah, they're all grown up. Going to be going to college. It's the cycle of life, my friend. It happens. So this March, yeah, is um, is going to be my birthday. And already, same thing happens where my wife's telling me, I, I told her, this is what I want. Oh, I already got you something. <laughs> Have you ever thought when I tell you Christmas or my birthday of what I want, you may once ever just get exactly what I want? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that so then I don't have to go buy what I want? You can make it a gift? And uh, then I have to act like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Um, Another fancy, like, like I've, I've gotten a wallet multiple times, and she buys these fancy, they're like these, there's all these new fancy wallets that you can see on Instagram, and they end up being crap. I mean, I like the wallet you have now. Seems like it works well. Oh, because you can track it. and you know, like I, I could have a rubber band. Oh. I could survive with a rubber band around my credit cards and a little bit of cash and and a uh, ID. That's all I need. Cash, while you're really aging yourself here. Well, I'm not. I'm not you guys. <laughs> well, what are you going to do when you gamble in golf? What are you going to do? I'm going to Venmo you. No, guys well, want cash. You, uh, Venmo works too. Guys want cash. I don't have to worry about money. Never changes actual physical hands, and you don't have to worry about COVID and. Dirty money and in the in the world of gambling, people want cash. They don't want to hear about your Venmo. They want the green right now, and I want the green right now. So you gotta have a little cash on you, Cody. You travel with zero cash? Majority of the time, yes. My wife usually will have like a twenty or something in case we ever need it. So your wife will have cash, but you won't. Yes. That this makes my Do wallet. Do you ever think there's a problem? No, makes your wallet makes my wallet bulkier. A Every twenty dollar bill makes your wallet. Every place accepts Venmo, credit cards, Apple Pay. I'm I'm good. Never had a problem with it yet. There will be a time where I will go somewhere and they don't take it. And I'll be like, oh, honey, I need you to pay. You go <laughs> into this hole in the wall. There he says, this restaurant's the best. You go cash only. And you're like, I can't Venmo you. There's one spot that I only ever have cash for. There's a bar in Santa, downtown San Jose called, wait for it, cash only that takes only cash. So we'll have cash. What do you do? We'll, I'll get cash out for that. There's a uh, BFA right around right around the corner. What if you're in a desperate need and your card didn't work, or whatever the process is is down? Like, let's say something. Let's say the the as we experienced a Camelback Ranch. <laughs> yes, we were at a we were at a hundred and twenty one million dollar facility, Camelback Ranch, home of the Dodgers and the White Sox, and their Wi-Fi didn't work. Well, someone's wife, if they're if their Wi-Fi and their internet's working at the business, they can't take your card. It's true, but there what are, do you do? There are a lot of people in my age group that don't carry cash. I know it's just there's a, a lot of things people of your age group yeah. do that you go, hmm. Yeah, that's the way the world is now. You know, sitting around playing video games all day long isn't probably the most productive thing either. Probably not. No, that's why I don't do it as much anymore. You've cut back. I've cut back. Well, my wife works. I need something to do. So that's what I do. It's better than going on boozing. All right, what do we got today? Uh, we're going to have uh, Jake Eisenberg, the voice of the Royals on the radio, talk about, talk about the Royals who signed literally everyone this offseason, it seemed like. Oh, man. We're Every Padre they have. Lugo, Waka, <laughs> Will Smith. And I know we talked about this a while ago, and, you know, he played for the Giants, so he was been, been in the Bay Area. Will Smith has won the World Series the last three years on three different teams. No one's ever done that in the history of baseball. No, so essentially he's looking to be the guy to do it four times in a row. Isn't that incredible? Three straight years 
you've won the World Series. Three different franchises. I mean, you can't make that up. It's pretty remarkable. How lucky. I mean, I want to, like, touch him and be like, man, you're the luckiest SOB so, I know. So what was it? Braves, Astros, Rangers, right? Yep. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. That's incredible. This He joined an – I remember when the Astros got him, they were like, wow, they finally have a left-handed reliever in their bullpen because they didn't have one for the longest time and they, they picked him nobody, up. They had nobody, yeah. Now he's going to try to win another – I don't think it's going to happen this year, but – you don't think the Royals, so I was going over my Know Your Royals. Do we have Know Your Royals for Johnny today? Oh, uh, we got some good ones. Now, I have I have said this, and I do mean it, and I don't want to upset any old A's fans who remember when the Kansas City Royals were in the division, but my favorite player all time is George Brett. Uh, nice little player. I, lo- I, I, I loved me some George Brett. Um Obviously, there's the affinity for third base and MVP. My grandfather was the first third baseman ever to be the MVP. George knows who my grandfather is. There's been an interaction between my family and him. And uh, I grew up a huge George Brett fan. And if you look, I mean, he's truly one of the great players of all time. Look at what he did in the regular season. Look what he did in the postseason. Back when the Royals were always in the postseason. And you go through the history book of the Kansas City Royals, Everything's George Brett. Everything. Hits, dingers, RBIs, doubles, triples, you name it. It's all George Brett. So know your Royals is going to be hard because I'm sure you didn't have any of George Brett on the questions. I think I had one. Uh, Let me. I have it right here in front of me. Their only answer for George Brett. uh, Maybe I didn't have any George Brett. Um, Yeah, I have the most home runs in Royals history, but you know what I might do? I am Chris Townsend's favorite player of all time. Who's the only player to win a batting title in three different decades? Oh, that's a good one. Let me change that. I won three batting titles in three different – okay. But you know what's crazy is that as great as George Brett was, first ballot Hall of Famer, everybody respects George as one of the best players. I mean, he's, he's – George Brett had an incredible career. Still not the best third baseman of his era. Yeah, well, we got Michael Schmidt, Michael Jack Schmidt, Michael Jack Schmidt, who led the National League in dingers eight times. He was pretty. He was a pretty good player too. Eight <laughs> times. I mean, Mike Schmidt defensively is one of the great third basemen of all time. And then you throw in he led the league. I mean, how many guys even play eight years? He led the league eight times in home runs. Truly incredible. There was a good run of third baseman for many, many years. Has Matt Chapman has Matt Chapman signed yet? Uh, n- no, not that I've seen. That's why I pulled up the old, uh, the old. Now we call it, it used to be TweetDeck. Now we call it X Pro uh, for Twitter. Um, and I try to just follow this. Uh, nothing on Chapman. I guess John Heyman had in his piece earlier today. My friend sent it to me that he thinks the Giants land both Chapman and Snell, and the Rangers get Montgomery and uh, uh, JD Martinez. So the Boris four. Uh, sign with two teams. The Giants signed Chapman and Snell. Well, we're starting the show out today. Did you do everybody that's coming on? Yes, I did. Uh, Jake uh, Jake Eisenberg, Royals Royal Radio Play by Play, and then we have Johnny. What time's he? 11.30. So we got plenty of time. So that kind of leads us into the article that we want to get into today that 
I find, and I've done my due diligence. We waited till today because I, I sent this article to a couple people that I know in baseball who work in the pitching department, and everybody loves it. This is another one of the rules that baseball could implement that is against front offices. Oh, before we do that, I, I got to play a couple things. Two days ago, I, I got it. I am sorry. I, I, I jumped the gun. Two things. If you've been paying attention, listening to the past two days, it's been Vince and Johnny, correct? Correct, yes. These two things have happened, and as A's fans, you have to love what you are hearing. Two days ago, the show ended, and, you know, you get an update on every single time the A's score on your phone. We got off the air, walked into my kitchen, and then, bang, this hit. 16 homers, 54 driven in last year. He's a left-hand batter. He swings and sends one to the gap in left center field. Chasing Matos back, still going toward the track at the wall. And that one is up on the berm, and it is gone. An opposite field blast for Ryan Noda and a 1-0 Oakland lead. So that was two days ago. Ryan Noda goes deep, played yesterday. Who is (laughs) – Johnny has brought this to us, the pick to click – (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Every who do that every did game. that? What, what did some team do? The pick to click. I don't know. Johnny just brought it up yesterday. Pick to click. I'm like Johnny. You do this every day now. Maybe this was the River Cats. Who is my pick to click for the All Star game? Ryan Noda. I don't think I'm that far off. He's hitting leadoff too, which is even more remarkable. First baseman hitting leadoff. I mean, if you go back to last year. And you look at the numbers and what Ryan noted. Remember, he broke his jaw. We talked to him about it as I got to meet the A's dentist down at uh, Fantasy Camp. You just look at Ryan Noda and say, if he improves on what he did, and it just goes to show the way the media world is working now that we're not going to talk about the actual team. We're not going to talk about the players. But you're talking about a guy who finished with a 364 on base percentage. And it was a lot higher than that. 16 home runs, 54 RBIs. Now, he only hit 229, but okay, let's say he hits 250 and now has 25-plus home runs. And he's sniffing 100 RBIs, and that OPS is now sitting at 850 or higher. What Ryan Noda could be this year, and he looks at spring training when he came out and we saw him and he sat there, and when I saw him in a couple games, he's put on a little muscle mass, as some players can do. Not the crazy Bonds, Lenny Dykstra, where they go away for a few months and they come back and look like a different human being. Not that. Mark McGuire. I saw this picture of Mark McGuire with his shirt off, I don't remember what year it was, but there was, like, no real definition in his arms. There's no, like, and then you, like, show the picture of him in St. Louis. You're like, come on, man. I remember when he – It's like a different human being. I remember when he – well, I mean, I don't remember watching him, but I remember seeing, like, baseball cards and photos of McGuire when he first came up, when he came out of college and playing on Team USA and played for the A's in the 80s. He was nothing like he was 10 years later. You just look at him like how he was small then, and then he progressively got bigger than St. Louis. He looks like a he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's just a mountain of a man. 
right? He looks like a defensive tackle. Here's a great example. Also with Mark McGuire on Team USA was Will Clark. If you take a picture of Will Clark out of Mississippi State playing for the Olympic team, you got Mark McGuire out of USC playing for the Olympic team. And then, as you said, 10 years later, you look at a photo of Will Clark. Will Clark looks just a little older. Mark McGuire looks like a different person. <laughs> like Bonds as a young pirate, Bonds as an older man hitting 73 home runs, like not even the same dude. Sammy Sosa as a young White Sox. Where else? He's Ranger. Ranger, yeah. Yeah, because he was a White Sox too before the yes, uh, the Cubs. Yeah. And then you look at him running out to right field with the American flag, and he looks like a free safety. I mean, it's come. <laughs> I'm not hating on him. I put him all in the Hall of Fame. I've said it. McGuire should be in the Hall. I mean, Bonds and Clemens, for God's sakes, not be in the Hall of Fame is a joke. Sosa, three straight years of hitting 60 hard. Sosa should be in. McGuire should be in. Palmero, 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. Put them all in. This is a joke. But uh, back to Ryan Noda. He has the makings. I mean, you you like certain numbers. You like OPS plus, right? Yeah. His OPS plus was 122. Remember, league average is 100 for everyone who doesn't know. 122. Oh, excuse me, 121. I mean, you just add more home runs, and that vaults up. It's a numbers game. It's a game of math. All right, so that was two days ago. That was great to see. And then if this doesn't float your boat, I don't know what will. Swung on, lifted to right field down the line. Mitchell giving chase on the track, back at the wall, reaching for the wall, looks up, and for the second straight day, Zach Yeloff has gone opposite field for the first inning home run. It's the A's 10th of the spring, and it's one nothing Athletics. That's back-to-back games for Zachy Geloff. Well, the thing for him is how do you mentally deal with the expectations? Because he came up and played so well. I saw that you put on Instagram, on the A's Cast Live Instagram account, are part of our interview where I say to him, you know, I got a comp for you. And he goes, yeah, to hear it every day. Every freaking day, actually. (laughs) I mean, there's expectations. And that's where we see guys, whether they come up midseason or they just have a great rookie year, and then now people expect you to do it again. And it happens in all sports, right? You come out and you have early success, and then people expect you to be even better. Now what happens is you don't change physically. You're still the same guy physically. It's now the mental side of the game of you start putting extra pressure on yourself. You have expectations, and sometimes guys get swallowed up by that. So the question is, how does Zach Geloff, who showed everything, showed everything, hit for power, hit to all fields, can run, can field, he showed. Zach Geloff shows that show that he can do everything in the game. How does he manage the expectations, and how does he live up to what we think he can be, which is an elite player? He has the skill set to be an elite player in Major League Baseball. So I'm looking at fan graphs. They, they do projections a lot of the time ahead of a lot of people for players this year. So we talked about Ryan Nota a few minutes ago. Which, by the way, all of this means absolutely nothing. But they have nothing. Like you – it's like you going into a bar that's cash only and you have no cash. <laughs> this means nothing. 
But looking ahead, just to give you know kind of an idea what what people think of these guys like Noda. So they have Noda hitting 18 home runs and having an on base percentage of 335. Uh, Wait a minute. They have Ryan Noda hitting only two more home runs and dropping from 364 to what? 335. Oh, they have him hitting 211 on the season. Don't uh, screenshot that and let's go back and remember these numbers. Screenshot that. I will right now. And then uh, the other one, um, the other one they have here. Is Zach Geloff, they have him hitting 19 home runs, stealing 21 bags, so essentially being a 2020 guy, yeah. and hitting 237. I just, I don't know. I don't see either of those happening. And his on-base percentage is 308. What do they got dingers for Rooker after he hit 30? 27. Okay. What do they got for Brownie? 21. Langolier, 17. J.J. Bleday, there's 16. I, I, ta- I, I, I wish I could bet fan graphs. We can't bet as Major League Baseball employees. I bet Se- uh, Shea Langoliers, I almost called him Seth Langoliers. Shea Langoliers, it's more than 17 home runs. Um, I'll bet yeah. I'll bet fan graphs that right now. Uh, they also have, um, this is a little surprising. Where they got st- steals for old Esty? 51, and they have him being the best. Come on! And they have him being the best hitter on the team average-wise for you know the amount of at-bats he'll have at 249. They got him at how many steals? 51. They're assuming he's not going to play every day, probably. And then if you look at the bench guys, they have Tyler Soderstrom hitting 13 home runs. I'll, I'll tell you, I'd take Who that. Who do they have playing third? Uh, third, they have, as of right now, they have Abraham Toro hitting 244 with nine home runs. Hey, Nick Nick Allen, 241. That's, that's, that's I'll take that. J.J. Blade, 16 home runs. Okay. 213 average. J.J. Blade. And then they they like Miguel Andujar to have, to have a 410 slug. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So I just want to play those for you. Uh, those are good signs from spring training. Obviously, the games mean nothing. I know you like to, you, you, you like to see the team win some games, and the A's have. Have the Giants, are they still winless in spring training? That's correct. They didn't win again yesterday. You know what that means? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, if, you, if you're undefeated right now, you know what that means? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, Hembo, yesterday, um, we're going to have Hembo next week. Hembo on Baseball That's Tonight. That's Paul Hembikides from ESPN. Uh, told Buster only on the Baseball Tonight podcast that he likes the over 81.5 on the Giants this year. Then he wanted to explain why, and he likes Lee, the kid they signed from Korea, playing center field. And the Buster goes, "Well, from what I'm hearing, he's not as good as you know, not as good as everyone says." And they kind of overpaid. But for to him. be fair, you 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 just don't know. He's a high, yeah. he's a high contact guy. He's coming off an ankle injury. His actually numbers were done down last year, but you know, he could be fantastic. But even if he is, he's not a big power guy. No, um, I don't. I don't feel like pulling pulling up the roster research for what they have projected for him with the Royal or for the uh, Giants. But be curious to see. I, I it's a, there's going to be a learning curve for sure for him. I'm not saying he's going to come over and be Ichiro, but do we have a get? Wait, wait, is Eisenberg in the, ready to go? Uh, yeah, but we still have a couple minutes. So he's he he, he waved hello in the great. As oh, we I thought you the, said 11:30. Well, are well, you going Arizona? Time? I want 11:30 Arizona time. That's my fault. So 10:30 for us. Johnny's 11:30. I had a uh, I I had a. Uh, I had a dream last night that we were – when do we switch time? 
think it's March 10th. So next Sunday is when we switch so over. I was trying. Like I woke up. I'm like, what time's the show? Because now that we've we're back from spring training, and so we, you know, what? I'm I'm not going to have time to get into the whole uh, the pitching thing. Oh, we can get into it after we do everything with uh, Jake. We still got seven minutes before for his schedule time. Well, I so basically here, and we we can ask him because researching as we're doing the uh, n- know your Royals, the Royals had a lot of the same issues that the A's had last year. They used a boatload of starters. Let's see what was the amount the amount of starters that they used. I think they used like 23. Yeah, they used we used 24 starters last year the A's. They used 23. Now, we're going to talk about Waka and we'll talk about Lugo and the guys that they signed. We mentioned Will Smith a little bit earlier, but yeah. This whole deal that baseball is going to We have seen consistency when baseball floats stuff out, it ends up happening. Mhm. Right? You know, we've you know the pitch got got pitch clock got floated out. Did, bigger bags got floated out. The pickoff move got floated out. Not everything yet, because it's going to take time before we have the automated strike zone. But you know, he, he he the deal is when they start floating this stuff out, and the automated strike zone's hard, right? This is hard. You got umpires. You got umpires union. You know, when this is stuff that baseball could just look at the players' union and say, we're changing and play, you know, and it's going to happen. But taking the pitching staff from 13 to 12. So I started this whole thing out before we went to the home runs about how uh, I, I threw out some text with the article to some people that are in pitching in Major League Baseball, and they all loved it. Now, who doesn't love it is 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 basically what baseball has been doing is they have been basically making rules that go against what the front offices want to do. Like they're forcing the front offices to change how they how they use their roster. And especially with pitching. Because as we know, and even our organization, they're all like this. They're infatuated with bullpen and power arms. We know for a fact, as our own general manager once told me, I got to get over it. Remember that? Yeah. Where I'm like, come on, man. But you got to get over it. Well, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't have to get over it. Maybe the reality is baseball's thinking like I am. This is a joke. And that we have to retrain our pitchers what the task is. Because our brains, not that we talk so much of in baseball terms and in sports terms, that we talk neck down, right? We're so worried about the body. When the reality is so much, everybody's got the skill, it's from the neck up that creates great players. And our brain is a taskmaster. If you give your, when your brain has a task that it has to achieve, it figures out the best possible way to do that, and that happens. Now, neuroscience and all this is way above my level, obviously. I'm sitting next to you. I'm not a, a brain surgeon or I've studied the brain or whatever, but I've read into this, and it applies to athletics. When your brain is a task, it has a task. Your brain will do everything it can to get that task done and to do it the best possible, most efficient way. That's how human beings work. 
I'll give you some examples in sports. Years ago, there was no three-point line. And all of a sudden, they developed a three-point line. And they had the three-point line in the NBA. And most guys didn't shoot it. It was very rarely used. Even some of the greatest players, shooters, they'd maybe shoot two times a game. Well, human beings evolved, and the task was, if you make this shot versus a shot inside the three-point line, it's three versus two. It's a game of math. So now what happens? We have record amounts of three-pointers of three pointers made in NBA games because the task was figure this out, figure out how to shoot from beyond this three-point line, and now we have seven-footers shoot three-pointers. Humans adjusted, not because of their physical. Kevin Durant didn't change physically. I mean, Kevin Durant, as we got to see with Golden State, the task was shoot from further back, shoot behind this line. They figure it out. It's funny you bring up the NBA, too. I saw I didn't get a chance to read all of it, but I saw it on Instagram, I think, yesterday. It might have been ESPN or SportsCenter shared it on Instagram that they're going to maybe look into changing the offensive rules in, in the NBA because the scoring is way too high. Like 10 year, I think it was 10 years ago, scoring was like 100 points a game per team. This year it's no, 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 no. It's no, 115. No. I'm like, the last time every single NBA team averaged 100 points was in the 80s. Oh, well, what? 100 points. I'd have to find it, but they're, but like right now, the teams are averaging 115 points per game. Yeah. Th- well, they figured it yeah. out, right? It's like running backs back in the day. When running backs, when you had these guys, remember people tried to criticize Franco Harris for running out of bounds? He was going to carry the ball over 30 times a game. Eric Dickerson, the same thing. It's like people want to criticize. Why don't they take the hits? Well, because they knew if I'm going to carry the ball 30-something times, I can't be taking mass hit after mass hit after mass hit. Look how it destroyed Earl Campbell. You had to be smart. You had to avoid the big hits. Not only one guy does it in the NFL, and it's Derrick Henry. And think about golf. Golfers are hitting the ball. Some guys are able, when they grip it and rip it, they're hitting it 340. My guy Bryson. 340 yards. At the at last year's uh, U.S. Open, there, uh, on the first tee, Rory McIlroy would hit a drive 370 yards because we figured out as human beings, what's the task? Hit the ball further, score lower. lower. Technology helps, and that's what happens. It happens in all sports. So what we need to do is, is train starting pitchers, and I can't tell you how many times I've done, uh, you know, I do TV for NBC with with Dave Stewart, where Dave Stewart will tell you, I went out there to pitch nine innings. That was the task. Now pitchers don't have that task. Now it's go out, blow as hard as you can, and if you get in trouble, we got somebody warming up in the fourth inning. Well, if this rule is implemented to where – you know you've got to go six. You've got to get 18 outs. And that's where we'll get more into this article where it talks about the average amount of outs has changed in baseball for starting pitchers. Big league starters last year averaged 15.4 and 85 and a third, and, and excuse me, 81.1 pitches per game. That's pathetic. We need, we need to retrain. Listen. Every five days, you get the ball, you're going six. And there's going to be some bumps in the road where you're going to have to say, listen, you might, you're going to have to wear it. Because if we take it from 13 to 12, I mean, Ray Foss used to tell us all the time when they won the World Series against the Dodgers, they used seven pitchers. 
Now, we go, oh, the game's changed. Well, once again, this is where baseball's coming back in. Whether we're talking pitch clock, we're talking bigger bags, we're talking no shifting, we're talking the pickoff rule. Yeah, well, they want to change the game to be played a certain way, and these rules have worked. And maybe, just maybe, if we go from 13 to 12, we can't have these front offices be so bullpen happy, and they have to realize we've got to retrain not only our big league guys, but we got to retrain our minor league guys. As we've told you on this program, we've been looking at the Dodgers. And you go to the lower level of the Dodgers, their pitchers don't pitch more than two innings. Doesn't matter who you are. You could be a bonus baby, maybe you go three. Like you gotta stop you gotta train guys A ball, double A. Listen, you're you've got it. When you go out there, you're going six. I joke all the time. I just did fantasy camp with uh, baseball Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers. Raleigh Fingers to make the club back in the day. Now he's one of the greatest relievers of all time, but this one Raleigh was a starter. Raleigh Fingers threw a complete game in spring training. And that helped him make the team. Now I know that's not gonna happen again, but we need to retrain our athletes. It's not from the neck down, it's from the neck up. Listen, you're going out every five days and going three and a third, four and a third, that's not acceptable. You've got to, you've got to go out there and get me 18 outs. For example, 2022, it was 15.6 outs starters averaged. 2015, it was 17.4. In 2000, I mean, that's, I know, it's 24 years ago, but it was, I mean, it was 17.8, about six innings. We, I mean, the complete game could be dead, but they got to change that. Jake, ready? Yeah. Oh, Johnny's there with him. What's Adam right now? All right, uh, they're talking. Okay, here we go. Oh, this be, this would be. I, got, I, got, I brought I brought a special guest. Is that okay? Well, at least we got. Oh my God! At least we got one good looking broadcaster. Can't hear. He he can't hear you, but I'll give him credit. He's he's the good looking one. But there's a reason. Oh, no. There's a reason we're both radio guys. <laughs> well, there's a reason he's a radio guy. I could put you on TVM. Not so much. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let him give you some comebacks when he hops on with you later. How well do you know Johnny? So Johnny and I have sort of known each other, I would say, for, I guess it's going on four or five years. Because back in 2019, I was the broadcaster, one of the broadcasters for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, which was the A Giants affiliate when Dosky was over in Sacramento. He was the AAA broadcaster. So we talked a little bit that season with guys getting sent up and sent down and what, what's all um, – but we didn't actually meet in person until until last year, until last spring training, uh, when we met here in Surprise when the A's came over uh, for one of those games. And uh, but he's he's the best of the best. I, I gotta say, you know, it's not easy when you replace somebody who's really really popular. And Steve Fiziak is someone, you know, I'm 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 becoming one of the old guys now. I go back to him with the Angels, and then you think about with the Royals. I mean, the Fizz being from Kansas City, what was that like? You're placing somebody yeah. who was a terrific, one of the great broadcasters, and he had such a great career. And and he couldn't have been more gracious in, in welcoming me. You know, got a yeah. phone call from him when everything was announced, and, and he and his wife Stacey are doing great. They're out in Colorado now. And it was the sort of thing where I think had I been coming from pretty much anywhere other than where I was coming from, I think it would have been a little bit more challenging. But there was such a, a stroke of luck that I had being the broadcaster with the Omaha Storm Chasers for two years before I joined yeah. the Royals and being within the Royals organization to begin with. And not for nothing, pretty much every guy that was taking the field for the Royals 
over the last couple of years, you know, 2022, 2023, and certainly this year too, those are guys that had come up through Omaha and come up through Warner Park that I had gotten to know pretty well as the AAA broadcaster there. So that made the transition just about as seamless as it could be. Oh, that's huge for you. Like, you walk into the clubhouse and, and I mean, I don't know if you had beers with all these guys or you had <laughs> meals, but, you know, instead of being like, who's this guy we don't know, that had to be huge for you. Exactly. You walk in it, and- was, it, wasn't, it wasn't, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Jake, yeah. the new guy. It was like, hey, good to see you again. I mean, the, like, we shared the bus rides to St. Paul and Des Moines and the flights to Indianapolis and stuff like that. You know, I, I was talking to a couple of people the other day, you know, when we were talking about Bobby Wood Jr. and the, and the massive extension that he signed, you know, how surreal it was, you know, to have met him when he made his AAA debut in 2021 and to have called his first AAA homer and then called his first big league homer by a stroke of luck that I was filling in that day and to now see the superstar that he's become now. But but not just Bobby, but to be able to follow these guys like that and have some of the shared experiences, uh, I think that makes this particular job at this particular time uh, really, really special. Well, I tell people all the time, you know, when you travel in professional sports, I say Kansas City is one of my – I used to work for the Oakland Raiders – and, of course, we played the Kansas City Chiefs every single year. And I'm like, yeah, they'd rip you during the game, but after the game they're the nicest fan base. I mean, it's it's Kansas City, a special town. If you love barbecue, great museums, all the fountains and everything, but really the people in Kansas City, and I'm sure they welcomed you with open arms. Oh, people could not have been nicer. I mean, that's that's where we live now. And I probably like barbecue a little bit too much uh, for my for my future health. But that that seems to kind of come with the territory of, of trying to become and, and be a Kansas City. Well, you know, for me growing up, my favorite player was George Brett. And I, 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 I got to see George a lot. I even went back to see him get inducted into the Hall of Fame with Robin Yount and Nolan Ryan. I'm a big George guy. Uh, really, you know, Gordon never – he was supposed to be the next George Brett, never lived up to that. But Bobby Witt Jr., as you just mentioned, this is the next George Brett. And when you watch him play, just watching him – as we got to see him, you just you, – you watch him warm up, you watch the BP, and you watch the game. This is a really special, special athlete, special player. You've watched him grow. Just talk about what Kansas City has there. They have a face of the franchise. They have a superstar that's not just a superstar in Kansas City, but one of the best players in baseball. It was not like he was seventh in American League MVP voting last year. And I know that that's voting and the numbers don't always line up with that. But what he did last year, 30 home runs, 49 steals, especially the second half that he had. Second half of the season, he was in the conversation for one of the best position players in baseball. And had that first half been a little bit more consistent, he would have been firmly, I think, in the MVP conversation. I think the key with him is just starting as strong as he finished last year. But as far as what the Royals have, you know, this dawned on me the other day when when Bobby played his first spring game this year. And I'm looking down at the batter's box and and there's Bobby Witt Jr., you know, pinwheeling the bat around. I think there are going to be kids in Kansas City mimicking that stance for for a generation. Uh, But I was like, you know, he's he's probably going to be the last guy in franchise history to wear number seven. I don't think anyone else is going to wear that jersey. And I realize that that's a lofty proclamation for a guy who's played two big league seasons. But when you have that kind of a superstar, plus the you know commitment to him, an 11-year extension that could be as long as 14 years you know, with the team option, I mean, that's the kind of player that, that you're talking about. You're talking about his number going up there with 5 and 10 and you know 20 and, and all the other retired numbers in, in Royals history. So uh, I don't think that's such a far-fetched thing. And I think... You couldn't have a more dynamic player to build around, but you also, 
I'm not sure you could find a better person to build around. He is so grounded and even keel and, and humble and driven all of the things you could possibly want in your face of the franchise. Uh, he, he brings to the table. Well, his, his power and speed is a combination. That's just, you can't teach this. You can't go to driveline and figure this one out. I mean, the combination of power and speed, his feet at shortstop, his athleticism, it's incredible. He's already made two jaw-dropping defensive plays this spring. He literally played two games, made one play sliding on a knee to his right, and then like a jump throw to first, and then two days later made a diving stop on a one-hopper going to his left. And that might have been one thing that flew under the radar a little bit with him last year. He was massively improved defensively from his rookie year in 2022 to last year in 2023. I think sometimes people forget that his rookie season in 2022, I mean, here's a a kid who's three years removed from playing shortstop in high school, and now he's fielding major league ground balls every single day. And, oh, also trying to figure out – how to be a big leaguer and adult at the same time. And the step forward that he took last year, I mean, as far as gold glove snubs are concerned, he's at he's at the top of the list. I'm not saying that he should have won it. Uh, I think that you can make a case that he could have won it, but he should have absolutely been a finalist. And that includes Michael Garcia at third base and Michael Massey at second base, that none of them were gold glove finalists. It was a pretty big shock uh, to everybody in Kansas City and certainly, you know, Bobby. All right, you lived the same nightmare we did last year. We used 24 different starting pitchers. You used 23. That is a recipe for absolute disaster. Before you were coming on, we're talking about how baseball is starting to float out. We changed from 13 pitchers to 12, trying to force these front offices to make starting pitchers go longer. Uh, In the offseason, Lugo and Waka coming over from the Padres. How much better are the Royals going to be from a starting staff position? It's almost completely different. And I think when you look at the number of pitchers that the Royals used to start a game last year, there's a little caveat that you got to throw in there because the Royals employed an opener a lot. I mean, James MacArthur started a couple of games. That's a reliever. Steven Cruz started some games. Carlos Hernandez started some games. So there are some relievers that were starting games that added to that starting pitch. It's it's the same thing. The reason the Royals employed – it's yeah, a, the it's the same the thing with the Giants to begin with. It's the same thing with the Giants, and I know Giants people say that, but it's like, I don't care who you have a starter, and you need a starter to go deep. Yeah, if you want, right. if you want to live and die with the opener, by the way, uh, the Rays were the one team that really made it work. No one else has really made it work. When you want to use a bunch of different guys, whether you want to call them starters or relievers, it's just, it just had that that philosophy outside of Tampa hasn't worked. It did. I'll say this. It did work to some degree in Kansas City last year because there was not a lot of depth in your your true starting pitchers. And the openers that the Royals employed actually had far better numbers, you know, in their opens than the starting pitching numbers over the, over the course of the whole season. But as far as this year is concerned, I mean, the opening day starting rotation last year for the Royals was Zach Greinke, Brady Singer, Brad Keller, Jordan Lyles and Chris Bubich. Three of those five finished the season on the injured list. The only two that didn't were Zach Greinke and Jordan Miles, who combined together for an ERA of nearly six, which was not a great recipe for success. So what did the Royals do? They got Seth Lugo. That's going to shore up the rotation. They got Michael Waka. That's going to shore up the rotation. Oh, by the way, Cole Reagans is still here. He joined the Royals rotation in the second half, was arguably the best pitcher in the American League over the second half of the season. You guys saw it firsthand. He struck out 11 over six shutout innings at the Coliseum last August when he was 
en route to American League Pitcher of the Month. So you've got three guys already that weren't part of the opening day starting rotation last year. That also includes Brady Singer this year, who's hoping to have a bounce-back season. It's hard to imagine that Jordan Lyles couldn't have a bounce-back season, given the way last year went. But you've also got so much more depth, with Daniel Lynch now healthy and what he might be able to bring to the table. Alec Marsh is being stretched out as a starter. We saw flashes from Anthony Veneziano and Jonathan Boland. They're expecting to have Chris Bubich back sometime in, in June or July. He had Tommy John surgery last year. So there's just a lot more depth, and there's also a lot more experience that it's not so much calling somebody up from AAA and seeing what happens. These are proven veteran starting pitchers, especially in Lugo and Waka, that are going to solidify this rotation. And I'd be surprised if we saw the opener deployed by the Royals this year the same way we did last year. i tell you what, if I was there today, I'd go down to your clubhouse and I would just like rub on Will Smith a little bit to get a little luck. I mean, <laughs> three years. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Three years, three different teams, three World Series rings. No one's ever done that before. <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, and, and the other thing that will be interesting about the Royals pitching staff, it's going to be a brand new bullpen. Right. I mean, you got – Will Smith, who's you know made his debut with the Royals, but now is returning and it's a new piece of this iteration of the bullpen. Chris Stratton, who also won the World Series last year with the Rangers. You brought in Nick Anderson from the Braves, just traded for John Schreiber. Those are four pretty much locks as far as the bullpen is concerned. And then the other four slots, it's going to be a, an interesting mix of guys. There might be a kind of swingman sort of role, maybe an Angel Serpa. Maybe that's where Daniel Lynch slots in to start the season. Maybe Alec Marsh as well. Carlos Hernandez right now is temporarily shut down. Not sure what his injury status is. He was one of the better relievers the first half of the season. Wheels fell off the bus a little bit in the second half of the season. John McMillan has high-octane stuff. Uh, do we see him uh, as part of the opening day bullpen? Matt Sauer was a Rule 5 pick from the Yankees, who's flashed a pretty nasty sweeper so far this spring. He could be part of the mix. There are also some non-roster invites. Uh, Sam Long, Dan Altavilla, uh, just a couple of the names. And the bottom line is that this bullpen – is going to look almost completely different yeah. than it did last year when the main weapons, uh, actually, I looked at this the other day, the only Royals reliever who made more than 25 appearances that is back this year is Carlos Hernandez, who's currently not pitching right now. So as far as the Royals bullpen is concerned, it's going to be almost entirely comprised of players that barely pitched at the big league level for the Royals last year. You talked about retired numbers. I have no idea what Salvador Perez's number is, but uh, that number will be retired at some point. And what a great player. Where he is at his age, obviously batting the lineup, how much do you think he still catches? That's a really interesting question. And what we saw last year was a good amount of DH opportunities for Salvi, which I think we'll see again this year. We also saw him at first base a decent amount last year. Now, the main reason for that was because Vinny Pasquantino was out for the season after having shoulder surgery. Vinny's back and healthy and is a big part of this Royals offense. Yeah, no if the doubt. Royals are successful this year and contend for the Central, it's because Vinny is bringing the thump that he's expected to bring. That said, I think that we could see Salvi over there at first base to give Vinny a day as a designated hitter or give Vinny a day off. And I think the Royals were thrilled with what Freddie Vermeen brought to the table last year as a backup catcher. And Freddie's certainly going to fill that role this season, too. I mean, defensively, Freddie is solid. I think the metrics are above average on Freddie as a receiver, and the arm is pretty good as well. And he hit 280 last year with nine home runs. He was a really serviceable backup catcher. Uh, and so that gives the Royals some flexibility with Salva to say, hey, we want to make sure that 
you're here the entire season and producing at the highest possible level this entire season. And if that means catching two out of three instead of all three or four out of six instead of five out of six, I think the Royals have the flexibility and the pieces to do something like that. So how much he catches, I think that'll depend on how the season progresses and the wear and tear that he takes and other players take. But I think you'll see a decent amount of Salvi as the DH. And I think you'll see him sprinkle in at first base a little bit too. All right, just checked his contract. He's got two years left, and the third year after that will be a team option. That's going to get him well over 1,000 RBIs. I think we could be making a case for him with a plaque in Cooperstown. Yeah, I think, you know, as far as accomplishments go, eight-time All-Star, World Series champ, World Series MVP, he's the only active catcher to have caught 10,000 innings. I mean, the durability is there, I think – what we've seen, yeah, there's there's a statistic for yeah. him. He passed that last year in September. Um, and I think what we've seen as far as the Hall of Fame voting body is concerned, I think that they're starting to realize that catchers, that's a, that's a different level of analysis for a catcher and the offensive output or the numbers than it is for other positions, especially because of the wear and tear and, and the mentality of having to be an everyday catcher and handle a pitching staff. And I think there's also something to be said for guys in their Hall of Fame cases after being in one place their entire career that level of loyalty and longevity i think is something that we see rewarded i think if we're talking about yadier molina as a surefire hall of famer and, and i think yadi does have a really strong hall of fame case uh, i don't see salvador perez being all that much further behind i think if he you know boosts those counting stats a little bit more home runs rbis that sort of thing I think he's going to have a real strong case by the time he he hangs him up. No doubt. I mean, you mentioned Molina. Now that we, we've we seen Maurer go in, Posey will go in before. These people will be the same people voting on Salvi. So the way they're looking at catchers now, and they take your, like, seven, eight best years, I think there's no question. A couple more years, uh, yeah, we'll be looking at him for sure as a baseball Hall of Famer. All right, so we look at the Central. Right? We look at the Central's not very good, but you know what? So you're saying there's a chance. I'd rather be in the Central than to be in the East. And, got, you know, the West has been tough out here. You think about the Astros, now the Rangers. So give, give me give me, give me, me why the Royals got a chance. I mean, everybody's got a chance in the Central, but give me a reason why the Royals got a chance. Here's the elevator pitch. If you look at the American League Central, there is only one team that has gotten demonstratively better over the course of this past offseason, and that is the Kansas City Royals. The Minnesota Twins, I think, are still the team to beat. That offense is there. That pitching is there. They don't have Sonny Gray anymore. That's obviously just one person, but they're still the team to beat. The Guardians, they had some offensive struggles last year, and the pitching has always been good in Cleveland and will continue to be good in Cleveland. Can they score enough runs to be a threat? The Detroit Tigers were sneakily way better than everybody expected them to be last year. I think they're going to be sneaky good again this year. I think their pitching is underrated. I think Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson bring some pop that hasn't really gotten as much shine as maybe is deserved. I think they could sneak up on some people, maybe not as much as last year, but I think that's a team that you could see take a big step forward. As far as the White Sox are concerned, that's an interesting situation, and I think they're in a kind of rebuild evaluation sort of mode like the Royals might have been last year. I think they're kind of transitioning to a new era, especially with a new GM and a lot of new front office personnel. I'm not sure that the White Sox are in contention mode. And so you look at the Royals, who last year, yes, 56 and 106, but brought in, like we talked about, Chris, a brand new starting rotation, 
brand new bullpen. Vinny Pasquantino's fully healthy. You've got a superstar in Bobby Witt Jr. You had some pretty strong second halves from MJ Melendez. Kyle Isbell played gold glove caliber defense when he was on the field. Michael Garcia, I think, was a severely underrated rookie, both at the plate and in the field. I think you've got the pieces to, to make some noise, especially in the division where 85, 86, 87 wins might be enough to take that division. Now, 56 to 86, that's that's 30 more wins. That's a massive jump. Now, the Texas Rangers last year went from 60-some-odd wins in 2022 to 90 wins and winning the World Series. It can be done. It's not an impossible thing. The Rangers you know, bought an entirely new starting rotation last offseason, so there's a difference in approach there. But as far as the Royals are concerned, one of the numbers that I, that I looked at last year that I think about a lot, the Royals had 50 blown lead losses, which means 50 of their 106 losses. At one point during the game, they had the lead, and they lost it. Now, that's a combination of having a lead in the first inning and losing it, and having a lead in the ninth inning and losing it, and having a lead in the sixth inning and losing it. It certainly happened a lot for the Royals. But you take 50 of those blown lead losses, and you turn half of those into wins, all of a sudden, you've got a 500 team. 56 plus 25 is 81. And I'm not saying it's that magical, but I'm saying when you overhaul the pitching staff and you improve the core of the offense by adding in Hunter Renfro and you trade for Nelson Velasquez and Vinny Pasquantino comes back, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that the Royals are certainly going to be vastly improved. And depending on what the rest of the Central does, the Royals could certainly be in the mix come you know, late July, August, even September in a way that they haven't been over the last few seasons. By the way, I love the way you worded the whole thing about the White Sox. Uh, that was well done because the reality is, as we know, they're a dumpster fire. They were the chic pick for a couple of years. Your, your words, not Those mine. Those are my words. Chris Townsend, Ace Gat, they're a dumpster fire. Tony, our friend Tony La Russa still there? No. Okay, so um, Detroit's that chic pick this year. What used to be the White Sox is now Detroit. Yeah, and the Tigers last year – Oh, they were they were good. They were scrappy. They won a ton of close games. The bullpen was solid. The Royals actually last year went three and ten against the Tigers. And I remember we were watching the games, and they were all pretty close games. And we came away saying, "Man, what is the difference really between these two teams right now? Why are the Tigers coming away with this gap in the standings?" And I think part of it was the Tigers got off to a pretty good start. Jason Foley and Alex Lang were locked down pieces in their bullpen at the back end that first half of the season. And then they had some really good starting pitching down the stretch. Tarek Skubal emerged as an ace, not just in the central, but in the game. And A.J. Hinch named him the opening day starter today. I think Tarek Skubal is going to be really, really good among the young starting pitchers that they have. But I think that the Tigers, uh, last year, they took that initial step forward toward being a contender. I think this year they continue to take that step forward. And I think that they're going to be a, a splashy pick that come June or July, they're going to be in a place that I don't know that many people across baseball that aren't paying close attention would have expected them to be in because they're going to say, oh, it's it's the Tigers. I don't know if that's fair. I don't think that's fair. Uh, I think the Tigers showed last year that that they should be uh, they should be that people should keep an eye on them this year. Well, I'll tell you what, you can't win the division or get a wild card in that first month, but you can sink your ship. That battleship can get sunk early. Uh, we saw it with the A's. Royals lost their first three games, then 16 of their first 20. So a hot, a decent start can get you going in the right direction. Hey, thank you so much for stopping by. Have a great call today, and let's do this again during the season. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I may, I'll say one more thing. First half, second half last year. First half was way different than the second half for the Royals. The Royals' winning percentage 
first half to second half improved by 137 points. The Royals were the most improved team in Major League Baseball last year, first half to second half. And I do think some of that carries over into 2024. So it'll be fun to find out, and it'll be fun to, to get a look at the A's and match up with you guys for the first time today. Thanks for having me. I, I tell you what, the Central's not going to be the best beauty pageant, but it's going to be interesting. Somebody's got to win it. It all counts. No doubt. All right, we'll talk to you later in the season. All right, take care. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be fun, right? These teams that have just been – it's been a super struggle for these teams, and all of a sudden the old English D, the Tigers, are going to be better. They, they, they are the chic pick now. It was the White Sox for a few years because they had talent. You're like, oh, they'll put it, they'll put it together this year. Oh, oh, no, it will be this year. And they just never put it together. They're a dumpster fire. They don't really know. They they should be in a rebuild. It's just been Chris Getz is the new takes over for for uh, Kenny Williams and, and Rick Hahn. And yeah. Rick Hahn. It's just it, it's it, Jerry Reinsdorf has got to be in his eighties, right? Oh, he's close to ninety, I think now. Uh, Reinsdorf, he is eighty eight. Yeah, he they're they're now talking about a new ballpark. We addressed that the other day. Why not the Royals? And and this is one thing like when people try and do the improvement game. Like, how can you go from this to that? How can you improve by 20 games? You have to remember, we're dealing with a whole different group of human beings. You're acting like it's the exact same team being brought back. And that's the same thing for a team that won a bunch of games who then could lose a bunch of games the next year. These teams change so much. The dynamic of the people, it's like your workplace. If you, if you, if you have a place where you work, and more than half the people are new coming in the next year, how can you act like production will be the same as last year when you got all these new people? It's a completely different group. So you've got some young players in Kansas City. You know, Detroit's feeling good about themselves. Minnesota, because of their TV contract situation, it looks like they're going to be in a, a, a hold on and hope. Why not? Somebody's going to win that division. One, one thing about the Royals, too, and I know uh, Jake brought it up about their starting pitching, but when they got Cole Reagans from the uh, Rangers for a role as Chapman, he was unbelievable. His second-half stats, he was 5-2 and two with a 2.64 ERA and 12 starts, 89 strikeouts and 71 and two-thirds innings. This is a guy that's, what, three Tommy John surgeries? And he finally, he's now he's finally healthy. If he can duplicate that for the Royals, I'm not saying he's going to be added to that mantle with Saberhagen and – Gooby, David Cohn and Gooby. Granky that won Cy Youngs, but he could be a guy that it's, could be very under the radar picked for Cy Young in the American League. When you talk pitching, don't throw, remember my guy. Yeah, well, Goob, Gooby's on the on the question. No, he's on the questions for know your Royals for Johnny. He's in the Royals Hall of Fame. Um, Cabana you, boy. You remember Reagan's made his comeback against us. Yeah. And I remember getting ready for the game, and I'm going, this guy's had two Tommy John surgeries, and he was out there throwing bullets. But, yeah, he made – it was, again, if you A's fans, if you remember, Reagans came out, and he was coming back, and it was kind of like the Rangers were like, got this guy that's got a great arm. <laughs> He's had two Tommy John surgeries. I do not like when people try – and I get, I get how everybody tries to sell it. Well, uh, you look at all the starters, but a lot were a lot were um, relievers. They were openers. D- does it doesn't matter? Somebody's so, got to start the game. Yeah. Then that means you when when you use twenty three different guys, 
I don't care if they were relievers. That's you know what he was saying is the same thing that Giants people have tried to sell. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Outside of Tampa, where is the opener? on a consistent basis, really worked. Well, the opener got out of it. Well, then the guy you had coming after the opener, he stunk. There was always a problem with the chain, right? There was always a problem with how it was going to work out. If your reliever went out there and got you through the first inning or the second inning, okay, man. But then the the bridge guy, the follower, whatever the hell you want. Bulk guy. guy. The bulk guy, he then got – I mean, it – when you when you got to use twenty three different people, somebody's got to take the ball to start the game. Yeah, somehow the game's got to start. Somebody's got to take the ball, and when you have an extreme amount of people have that role, you will not be good. And I, mean, I don't care. Stop selling me. Well, we just had relievers. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Am well, I wrong? No, we learned it firsthand from what happened in 19 or 18, unfortunately, with the A's when they had to use the opener against the Yankees with Liam. And I'm not talking. I'm talking for a season. Oh, yeah, for a season. A it's- full season when you say to people that were with the Giants, look how many different guys start. Oh, yeah, yeah, but a lot of that was the opener. What? I don't care who it is. You didn't have a group of qualified starters to start games for six months. And if you got a, you got to go to the trickeration card and use a bunch of relievers, it's not going to end well. Outside yeah. of Tampa, outside of Tampa, where has using the opener on a and they're not even doing it anymore on a consistent basis. But well, they might go back to it. But where outside of Tampa has the opener on a consistent basis been successful? It hasn't been really anywhere. And so there's 20. You will admit. Because there was a time, remember, we had the record, the the Rays team record for yeah. X amount of time. They were well over 500 using the opener. I can't remember what year that was we had that stat, but it was it was impressive. The other 29 teams in baseball, where have they been successful incorporating the strategy of the opener long term and it worked? Yeah, I mean, I think it was last year because I saw an article and I think we just updated it a little bit, but I can't officially find those numbers. Like, it's not in the Rays media guide or their game no. notes. I wish it was. It was um, I, I, All I remember is – It was really – they were very good with it. It was in the Baltimore Sun, if, I was, if I'm correct. The Rays were taking on the Orioles, and the Baltimore Sun had that number. I remember mm-hmm. we had that number, and it was like they were 85 – after X amount of years, they were like 85 and 50-something. Using the openers. Yeah. And it was like, dude, that's impressive. That's impressive. But but everybody else, it hasn't been a great long-term strategy. And people try and make excuses when you say, hey, man, you used a ton of stars. They go, oh, well, a lot of it was the opener. Well, guess what? How'd that work out? It didn't. There it was... doesn't. 29 other teams, it hasn't worked out. And great thing about when we were down at spring training and Mark Kotze addressed this where he said, could we use the opener? Yes. Is there a time where during the season on a certain day you're going to staff it? Okay. But Mark Kotze does not want to go to that strategy on a consistent basis. Why? Because it is it, – it doesn't work. It was a chic thing, and we're a copycat league, and same things for every league, but they normally say that about the NFL. But it's a copycat league, and all of a sudden the Rays are doing it, so everybody wanted to do it. I don't like the strategy. I think my favorite thing about the Giants and the opener last year and everything, believers, they had Zach Littell. You're going to go, who? 
Zach Littell, they had him pitch out of the bullpen. The whole the whole thing with Kapler when he pulled him out of the game and all that. He goes to Tampa and becomes a starting pitcher and has like an era under three and a half as a starting pitcher for Tampa Bay. The Giants couldn't figure that out with him. You couldn't use him as a starter in San Francisco, but the Rays go, just throw him in there, and he has an era under almost, I think it was under three and a half as a starter. It is why I was surprised that Giants brass linked Melvin and Farhan together on a contract. Oh, that's right. It's, yeah. It's how many years now? It's but- why I was surprised. Like, I understand you bring Melvin in. You bring Melvin in. You've got to give him security for him to leave the Padres and the deal that he had, even though he couldn't wait to get out of there. But the fact that you linked Farhan to that, because if the Giants go out and have a not great great year, how do you continue to let Farhan run the organization? And when I heard Paul Hembikides from ESPN, who's so bright, right, and he talked about the Giants, I'm like, you're talking about a team that – was last in defense, last in stolen bases, which basically means you don't have great athleticism. So no. how are you going to win? Are you going to outslug people? Do they have the personnel to outslug people? No, even with adding Soler, they still don't have the guys because we don't know he's going to do in that ballpark. So he's a right-handed hitter. If they don't have the, if they don't have the ability to outslug you, they don't have the ability to have better athletes than you. And you don't play good defense. Like, what are we talking about? I mean, what, what, what's your game plan? Yeah, the, I don't – the 81 and a half, I don't know how I feel about that number. Um, unless they somehow sign Snell to help with their rotation. Um, and, and you're right about linking Bob and Farhan. Like, Bob went there. There was a quote the other day. I think it was uh, Andrew Baggerly of The Athletic had it. They Someone asked Bob about all the starting pitchers being available, still like Blake Snell – and it was in regard to Tristan Beck, get, Tristan Beck getting hurt. And he, they were like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like along the lines of, hey, Bob, you know, there's a lot of good starting pitchers out there I think that could help your team. And he responded with, you think? So, I don't know. It's, is Bob already – I'm not saying he's annoyed, but, I mean, you're already looking at the things that are going wrong with the Giants. And it's spring training. I get it. And I know they haven't won a game, and people are making a joke about that because who knows, they can come out and win 100 games. I'm not saying it's going to happen. That one year they did win 100 games with a little bit of a fluke. But um, that's what happened. Quietly, while we were doing the interview with Jake, uh, Royce Lewis, uh, another Grand Slam. Yeah, That's all, stay, all he does. Can he stay healthy? Yeah. But all he does is hit Grand Slams when he does play. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, two home runs in his first postseason game. I mean, the guy, when he's healthy. I mean, he, there's a reason why he's a top pick. I mean, when he's healthy, you know, it's the same. You know, it's that. That's part of their issue, right? The three guys at the top of their lineup, him, Correa, and Buxton. If they can stay healthy, great lineup. I mean, you can't even play Buxton in center field because he can't stay healthy. So he's a DH. I mean, it's just they, that their guys have just – the track record is they're, they're hurt. Well, okay. All of a sudden, this is the year they all stay healthy? I don't see and it. And Correa. Apparently Buxton's going to play more center field this year is what, I, what I've been hearing by when I've been listening to podcasts and stuff. From uh, who's saying that? I think it was on. I think I've heard on SiriusXM t- they were talking about how Buxton's going to play more in center field and saying like, he's not. Why he's not going to stay healthy? DH him, you know. He's well. He didn't even stay healthy then. No, I. You're going to throw him back out there. And, well, I mean, the way they want it, this whole we got to we got to try and save guys and have them healthy for the postseason. I'm like, man, you're going to have to. He's got to play for you to get to the postseason. Uh, I don't know. So the you know what? A lot of stuff that's said in spring training is garbage. 
Yeah, and, and a lot, a lot is set. You know, like, well, you know, I'm hearing this. I mean, I Buxton's know. playing center right now in spring training. So good. I mean, you're paying him a hundred million. He better. I mean, you got to play. Lewis is DHing. Royce Lewis, who had the grand slam, is DHing. So that's why Buxton's playing center field. By the way, Wall Street Journal put out. And I can tell you, being in Arizona for a couple weeks and then coming back to the Bay Area, it's official. We can pretty much treat COVID like the flu now. Oh. You okay with that? Um, sure. I mean, it's four. I mean, it's crazy. Thing, four years ago is when the the, for the major outbreak happened. Four years ago already. Lots changed in four years. Yeah, it's it's you know how, how just how life changes, right? Yeah, how decisions, how decision. We talk about it in sports and life, the whole thing. Life change. You know, one thing that's a guarantee: life always moves on, no matter what happens. Whether we get what we want, we don't get what we want, life will move on. There's that really good. Quote. Life moves on with or without us, Cody. I don't know if you know that. Yes, like uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Ferris Bueller: "Life comes at you fast. If you don't look around every once in a while, you might miss it." Life comes at you fast. Comes at you fast. All right. Wait, wait, what time's Johnny? 11.30, so another 20 minutes. Okay, so. we've got to get back to. The pitching. That this could, baseball could be changing for the good again. I got a whole article. I got a whole article that talks about the changes for baseball proved last year. It was great for the game. What metric do you, what, what metric do you want to go by? To say that the rule changes worked. What uh, data do you want to prove it by? I mean, there's a lot of them. Okay, uh, then we'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I love this conversation before we get to Johnny D. Because what it does, it brings the guys who hold this back into the main equation and makes them stars again. I totally agree with that. I mean, because well, we had this discussion, was it last week we are on? Or when we were in Arizona when we talked about the whole, uh, when I mentioned how Logan Webb's an ace, and we went back to that. And we, were, we were looking at the guys that thrown 200 innings and whatnot. Five guys did it last year. Five. How Five many times guys. has Logan Webb done it? Um, I think he's done it two years now. Uh, uh, but Logan Webb led the league last year at 216. The five guys were Logan Webb, Zach Allen, the AL Cy Young winner Garrett Cole, uh, Miles Michaelis from the Cardinals, who had a – if you look at every other number besides innings, Pitts had a horrible year, but he went 201 in a third innings. And our good friend Chris Bassett went exactly 200 innings. There was five guys that did it last year. To go back to 2022, the year before, there were eight guys the year that I made the food bet with you about um, there would be no guys that did it, and Sandy Alcantara led all of baseball with 228 and Logan Webb's done it one time. Was it well, – then he had like 190-something the year done before? done it one time. One time. One time, 200 innings. It's a joke that you call him an ace. It's a joke. What, what, what says he's an ace? What, what do you want me to – I'm on baseball reference right now. What do you want – where do you want me to go to say that this guy is an ace? Well, well I had to blow me pull up. Wait, no, no. Why do you have to look it up? You should tell me. If a guy's an ace, you should be able to tell me why he's an ace. I mean – Why? What, what, what has he done? It's recency bias. We're based off of what he did last year. 
So you are going to use the moniker of an ace based off one year? If you look at his numbers, two over, years over is the, two years a big body of work. Over the last three years, he's had he's had a three oh seven ERA, and he started at least thirty games all three years. We talk about ooh, but we talk about ooh, that's an ace. I, I can't help the way the games game the games viewed. Not every guy's Garrett freaking Cole, but Garrett Cole's an ace. He's one. Verlander's old now. He's not an ace anymore. Yeah, well, that's what an ace is, bro. And Ace is a guy that, that that has a career and a body of work. How many All-Star games? What, one? He was in it last year. He, but he wasn't even an All-Star last year. So a guy's never been an All-Star. He's never won any awards. And he's had a three-year stretch of an ERA just over three. That's going to put me – I mean, because maybe my definition – I'm not hating on Logan Webb. No, Logan, Webb Logan Webb is really good. <laughs> yeah. But to me, an ace are guys that I think Corbin Burns, I said to you before the show, everybody wanted to anoint Corbin Burns as this unbelievable great pitcher. And okay, he had a few years. I mean, great pitchers have 10 plus years. Great athletes. What sport do you want to go to where you anoint? Because an ace, you're anointing a guy as a terrific player. Is a great player, right? Is that what a great player is? So if you're telling me if a quarterback goes out and just has two good years, you're going to anoint him as as elite and he's one of the best quarterbacks? I mean. That happens sometimes, though. I mean, after two years. Well, just because it happens doesn't mean it's right. I mean, how many years did it take Steph Curry to be Steph Curry? Oh, yeah, it took many years because he was hurt a lot. But how many years? Take, you, you just don't go out and have one or two years, and we're like, oh, man, we're putting you on the upper echelon. Because when you're an ace, you're on the upper echelon. It took Verlander how many years? A lot, a couple. I mean, where do you want to go? And I know you start looking at, well, these guys are Hall of Famers, but that's what aces are. Aces are players that either are going to be Hall of Famers or they'll be in discussion of the Hall of Fame. You're trying to tell me Logan Webb's at that point? Now, if Logan Webb does this for another four years, five years, I'm like, you're damn right. He's earned that right. And I'm not hating on any giant. If Logan Webb is great and he's greatness, I'll say it because I love the game more than I hate the Giants. I will be totally honest, right? <laughs> I tell you, Barry Bonds is the greatest player I've ever seen. Barry Bonds is the greatest player I've ever seen. Hand to sound. I've said on this program, Jeff Kent should be a Hall of Famer. So I, I've been honest about how I feel about guys who played for the Giants because it's about your credibility. I'm not going to sit here and say Logan Webb is an ace. I mean, don't you have to do – I mean, what's your resume? Yeah, like um, – 200, 200 innings, one time, no all-star game, no awards. I mean, you got to – if he does what he did this past year. Finish second in the side. Last so year. He can do it again this year. No, no, if he does it again for three, four – if he does that and he's going into his – how old is he now? He's 26. Yeah, if he's doing that and he's got this as he's hitting age 30, then you're like, you're damn right. You're damn right. I mean, to, I mean, look what Kershaw did. Look at these guys that you uh, – Pedro Martinez. Look at what these guys did year after year after year after year. That's what the great players do. Bonds isn't the greatest player because he had two, three good years. Bonds did it every year. You want to look at Tony Gwynn, what he did every year? You want to look at what Ricky Henderson did every year? And you're like, well, they're Hall of Famers. Yeah, well, that's what the great players are. The great players get put in Hall of Fames. When you mentioned uh, the first guy that came to my mind when you said about quarterbacks and how we anoint them, the first guy I thought of was Joe Burrow. 
injured first year, you know, okay first year as a rookie, then he had two really good years that injured again, and after the second year when they go to the Super Bowl, everyone's like, top three, top five quarterback, gonna be could be a Hall of Famer. It's like, bro, stay healthy. It's just it, it, we want to anoint and give people stuff they haven't earned yet, and that's what we lo- we love to do. That by the way, so, Joe Burrow's very good. I'm not saying he sucks. So yeah, no one's <laughs> saying he sucks. I mean, he had one of the greatest years in college football. He's gotten his yep, team. That to year the, was incredible. He's gotten his team to the Super Bowl, but I am one. Prove it to me. Prove it. I somebody has to be the adult in the room and slow down you hot takers. You hot take artists. You love it. Everybody likes it. What happens if Logan Webb goes out this year and doesn't perform well? And then I'm going to be sitting here going, hey, remember that show back on March 1st and you were anointing him as an ace? But see, what happens is, in our business, everybody throws out hot takes, and then the hot take goes into the hot take universe, and then you move on. And then you move on. And then you move on. So you never have to own your hot takeness unless I bet you and you owe me food, <laughs> which I've now done the past couple of years. It's like the hot take artist can throw out their hot takes, but then if they're wrong, they never go back and – backtrack on it they just move on and act like it doesn't happen i mean we say we say it in all walks of life but you know you say it's a great thing about video and politics now right politicians say stuff four years later they say something completely different you go yeah but i have this clip back here where you were on meet the press four years ago and you said this so i i just we need to slow down it's like zach geloff I'm so high on Zach Geloff, but yet he's going to have to do it for a few years before I say Zach Geloff is this great player. He's one of the great players in our game. You've got to do it, man. Well, you already called him Ryan Sandberg. I compared him. It's a comp. <laughs> I didn't say he's Ryan Sandberg. I said he looks like Ryan Sandberg. It's a big difference. King Griffey Jr. came up at 19, but he did it at 20, 21, 22, 23, 25. There's got to be a body of work. And when you do have superb, outstanding years, what comes with that is MVP trophies. There's a reason why when you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame and you look at their plaques, you see the achievements. You see, like you read the plaques and you see the guy's an 18-time All-Star, three-time MVP. You acquire these awards when you're great. Nowadays, we want to know. I mean, how many – how many how many guys are really an ace in Major League Baseball right now? Garrett Cole. Okay, you give him a one. I, I so if we're going off of the standards of two hundred innings, thirty plus starts every year, Garrett Cole. Sandy O'Connor's hurt now, so you can't throw him in there. He was there. If he doesn't get hurt, yeah, he definitely was there because he's, he's in he's the an conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and people go, well, yeah, baseball's changed. Really? I have an article right here that says baseball wants to change it back. Um, just looking up the guys from last year. I mean, or two. This is two years ago. Um, Give me Corbin Burns' numbers last year. Corbin Burns in twenty twenty three, one hundred ninety three and two thirds, three thirty nine ERA, one ten games, and thirty two starts. Um, he's done two hundred innings once. It was two years ago. Than 193 and two-thirds last year. And it's a problem. And one last start. And it's a problem for our game because the guys who handle the ball need to be stars. The guys who handle the ball, for the most part, 
whether you pick the sport. Is there a sport where the guy that handles the ball is not a star? No. The ball, no. Like you can even say with hockey with a puck. Most of the guys that handle the puck are, are star players. Yeah, you're, you, you want the puck on the stick of your best players. Fact, yes. Right? And I'm not the biggest hockey guy growing up on the frozen ponds of California, but I I, I know that, right? <laughs> it didn't get, you didn't have frozen ponds in San Diego? Uh, yeah, but growing up in San Diego, we had no frozen ponds, but I knew I wanted the puck in Gretzky's hands. Mario Lemieux, you want the puck with that guy. Gordie Howe, I mean, you name the guy, you want the puck with that guy. I mean, there's a reason why they always pass the ball to Michael Jordan. I want Jordan to have the ball. Steph Curry, I want him to have the ball. LeBron. Yeah, I, LeBron James, is, I, I think we're going to say he had a pretty good career. You want him to have the ball. The quarterback has the ball. The starting pitcher has the ball. I think the way the game's trended in baseball, now it's, we want that closer to have the ball anymore because that's I think we're trying to that's why those guys we don't get, even pitch closers in the five it could be we got to put them in the seventh because yeah. the high leverage inning yeah I mean not and, every guy's Josh Hader can go two innings at some point we got to get the starters and it's also good for the game because it's about the matchups we like to sell the matchups hey tonight who's pitching there's a reason why we have who's pitching it's part of the sales job for the performance when you go to a movie you want to know who the actors are. I mean, this is the entertainment business, people. I don't care what the front offices say. You can get me the smartest kid at MIT who could say I'm the biggest idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to go, okay, great with all your data, but I'm going to tell you, um, if no one shows up and no one pays to watch, you have no business. And people want to see stars. I mean, one of the greatest things ever was the Giants who won 107 games and the attendance didn't reflect it because it wasn't, according to all my Giants buddies, because obviously I can't watch all these games, they didn't like the style of play. So so this whole you just win, eh, doesn't always work. You go to a movie, who's in the movie? You want to know, right? Uh, yes. You want to know who the actors are. Like when I go to a concert, I'm going to see the band. I want to see the stars. And that's part of what baseball has started to lack is you're like, who's pitching tonight? I don't know. I got a guy who's going to go one inning, and then they're pulling him. And I don't even know who's coming in after that. I mean, there you got you, – the pitching matchup does matter in our game. Would you say Aaron Nola's an ace? No. I'm just looking at him because in his career he's done 200 innings multiple times, but he's also now going to be 31. Am I paying money? Am I paying money to go? If Aaron Nola comes to town, am I getting my kids? Think about this. Think about everything it takes to go to a game. Think about it. You got to get in the car, public transit. You got to pay the money. You got to park. You got to pay for tickets. You got to do all this. You got to work the next day. The kids got to go. All that kind of stuff. Or if you're just going with your buddies or whatever, to actually physically say, I'm not going to sit at home and watch it, which, by the way, you have to pay to watch because you got to have cable. Or now you got to pay for the streaming. 
But just to say to go watch. There's things that you've got to do. You got to battle traffic. You got there's things you got to do and make decisions on why you're going to go to the game. Is Aaron Nola somebody that's going to make me go? I got to go see him pitch. I don't think there's a lot of for me. There's there's a lot of guys that throw hard that are attractions, but there's not guys that I'm like, oh, I, you know, I got to go. Well, I'm at the ballpark with most of the time with you, so I'm like, I can't go if if someone's coming in to say play the Giants or they're coming. It's an off day for me in Oakland. I'm you know I'm if I was taking my my A's hat off and I was just a fan. I, I don't know if there's a lot of guys there. I'm like, I got to go to that game. That's a Otani Otani when he pitches. That's he, a problem. Yeah, that's a problem because I I remember when I was a little kid, Nolan Ryan was an Astro and my dad would be like, we're going. Why are we going? Because something magical could happen. He was pretty so good. We would go to the game when Nolan Ryan pitched for sure. My dad would take us because Nolan Ryan was pitching. You went to see one dude. It was Nolan Ryan because when he got on the mound, magic happened, right? Something was going to happen. Even in bad games, he's still punching out a bunch of dudes. He was pure entertainment. He's up there grunting and snorting. and I mean, he was entertainment. I remember there was one year I was doing the morning show on KMBR. I guess you could look it up what year it was. It was probably early 2000s. It was a rainy opening day in Oakland. The Yankees were opening up. I believe it was opening. Yeah, it had to have been opening day. Roger Clemens was pitching against the A's, and the A's had a terrific team. Well, I want to watch it. I mean, it's Roger Clemens. It's Pedro Martinez. I mean, it's the guys that, that they're, they're – star- we need star- – we need these guys – we need to start producing these guys again. It's better for our game. The guy who handled the game starts. We're the only sport where the defense starts the action. I want you to remember that. We're the only sport where the defense, because pitching is part of your defense. Defense starts the game. And when you have no-name guys starting the game and starting the action, that's not that's not good. It's going to happen because we have a lot of players, but it, it's bet the game is better. We, I mean, we still talk about that game, Warren Spahn against Juan Marichal. We talk about these games where the pitchers, Bob Gibson. I mean, you got the. I mean, we need your Smoltz Morris. I know it's a play. I know it's a World Series game, but still. But still, you we talk about it. what do we talk about now? I mean, you're talking Corbin Burns is so great. He's thrown 200 innings one time. I mean, we're really, really, really like, – like, when you watch the All-Star game and you look at the pitching staffs, are you – does that really float your boat these days? And it's one of the – I mean, the – let's face it. There's a reason why the All-Star ratings have just gone – That's why I go to the home run derby. Because you want to see who are the star players. The yeah. hitters. Yeah. And it's exciting. Nothing against the All-Star game. I just perf- I prefer personally the home run derby. But if you had an All-Star game where you had all these great pitchers going up against the great hitters, it now is a different dynamic. Yeah. Plus, the, you know, the rules of, oh, if you pitch on Sunday, you can't pitch in the game. There's there's a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of the guys that I grew up watching that are that were stars, I'll leave Cole out because he's still good. But, like, Verlander's older. Kershaw's older. Scherzer's older and hurt. So a lot of those guys are they're aging, and we don't we haven't really got that new crop of guys. There's guys that have potential, but there's not guys just there yet because the way the the game treats. Yeah, them with we the bring innings. up a bunch of guys that throw hard that can't stay healthy, and that's a problem, 
Like you, you, you would when the I remember when the Braves would come to town to play the Giants, and you're like, oh man, this series you're gonna have Glavin, you're gonna have Maddox, you're gonna have Smoltz. I mean, the Giants had good team. I mean, that's some, that's entertainment, man. Plus, if you okay, they're good. Think about that. They had three guys, three guys. You want to talk about people paid my my? I I would be very interested in seeing what the road attendance. The A's back in the seventies. I was playing golf with a guy that was from Toronto. I played Longbow. Uh, Vince's son, Dom, hooked me up. I'm playing Longbow and Mesa with three guys from Toronto. And the one guy was a big Blue Jays fan. And we sat there and talked about the 70s teams. And I told him about our reunions and all the interviews that we done. And he thought, oh, the A's of the 70s. I love those teams. And we were talking about all the different players. The A's back in the day, especially Vita Blue, when they showed home attendance stunk. But the road attendance for those A's teams was huge. People around the country, when the A's showed up, people wanted to go watch because they had a great team. People wanted to watch Catfish. They wanted to watch Vita Blue. They wanted to see Reggie Jackson. But we're talking about pitching, right? I mean, you tell me what's the road attendance for Nolan Ryan's road games. I guarantee you the attendance goes up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can even look back as far back as, you know, the the late 2000, like the 08, 09, 2010. I mean – you can I'll just use a barrier. I mean, living on the East Coast, I wanted to watch Tim Lincecum pitch. I wanted to go to when the Giants he was a came. Freak. Yeah, when the Giants came, he was a I freak. wanted to see him pitch. Yeah, Tim Lincecum was when Tim Lincecum was on. He was must-watch TV. There's no doubt. Vita Blue, they'll tell you. Mark the Bird Fidrich. There's certain these guys showed up and people flocked to the ballpark to see because they wanted to see this guy, this pitcher. And all of a sudden, everybody's tried to tried to downplay the pitchers. You downplay the wins. You downplay this. You downplay that. And all of a sudden, now we're looking up with all this time of you diminishing the importance of the starting pitcher. This is where we're at now. We're gonna we're gonna have to make rules to bring that guy back. And when you bring that guy back, and he pitches more times, and he has more innings, guess what? He wins more games. You can't deny that. We've diminished the role of the starting pitcher. And it has not been what's better for the game. Yeah, real quick before before we go to Johnny. 2023, last season, five guys, 200 innings. 2022, eight guys. 2015, how many guys think did it? In what? 2015. What did you say we're at right now? Uh, uh, last year was five. 2015? I, I'm going to say there's probably a little bit of a bump, but not can't be that crazy. 28 different guys went 200 plus innings. 28? Not that long ago. Yeah. 28. Yeah. It's just, it's... One of them's Garrett Cole. Let me a, ask as you. As a pirate. As an A's fan, did you like 24 different starters last year? As a Royals fan, did you like 23 different starters, whether they're bullpen guys or not? Do you like that? Do you like that style of play? No. All right. We're bringing on a man who's been red hot. I mean, it's like if he was in Vegas, he he he's on a heater right now. Johnny, I, I've been very impressed. You, Thank you. You 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 have uh, you've upped your game this spring. Well, I appreciate that. If I was in Vegas and I was on the craps table, I was on a heater like this. I would stay on the table. I would stay on the craps table for sure, no question. But do you have the governor to be able to walk away? As, as, as the tide starts to change, or are you somebody that will just give it all back to the casino? 
I would say I'm getting better through the years on that. When I was in my 20s, no shot, 30s, a little bit better discipline. As I've gotten older, I, I do walk away a little bit. Now, not all the time, but I have do have more discipline now than I did back in the day, for sure. Do you yeah. drink when you gamble? I do. I don't. Once in a while, I mean, look. If it's, well, I have a. Well, I have one. I one I'm, absolutely, but I don't get. I don't. I don't ever get like hammered at the table. No. Okay. That's good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Because that was part of the fun for gambling for me. So I would. I, I was. Yeah. The, I'm going to keep playing. <laughs> keep drinking. Keep playing. We're having a great time. Yeah. And next thing you know, yeah. it's five in the morning, and you're like, "Wait a minute, the sun's already up. What? What am I doing here?" All right, Johnny. Uh, I, I played the highlights. Uh, the past couple days. Great to see some of the A's go in the yard. We played Noda. We played Geloff. Good to see some of the young bats hitting the long ball. It is, Townie. And to, to see them like, go the other way. I mean, like both of Geloff's home runs have been the other way. We saw, of course, Lugbauer's uh, walk-off the other day was the other way. Uh, we talk about spring training stats and what they mean and they're meaningless, whatever. But they're, they're really – you watch the approach – I think that's what Kotze's really happy about right now. The skipper's happy with the approach some of these young guys are, are taking at the plate. And, yeah, it's spring training, but you're still working on things. And I, I, I agree with you, Tony. I've been impressed with a lot of these young guys and, and, the, and the vets, too, just the approach they're taking. And, look, they look it's spring training, but talking to these guys in the clubhouse, they still want to win. It's spring training. You're still They're competitive. They want to win the game. Yeah, you're working on things, but – uh, yeah, these games don't count per se, but you know, these guys are, uh, you know, some of these guys are trying to win a roster spot and, and uh, impress for the future, uh, for their future in the organization. So yeah, it, it does mean, mean some things for sure. There's no question. You and I talked about it on the broadcast that we were on together where we talked about spring training is different for, 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 for all the teams and all the players. When you're somebody like, I'll just pick out the Atlanta Braves. Or the Los Angeles Dodgers, your record in spring training means eh, means nothing. But for right. the A's, winning game after you only won fifty and you had a, you didn't have a whole lot of taste of winning games. Or the Royals who lost hundred and six games last year, yeah. I, th- I think you could say at the end of the game, shaking hands and winning. I it, once again, does it mean anything? Do you get a trope? No, but. Winning, there's a culture to winning. There's there's something about winning where you learn. You got to learn how to win. You got to learn how to close this thing out. It doesn't hurt for teams that stunk last year. Both these teams yeah. today call got to call it as we see it. The A's and the Royals were dumpster fires last year. Both these teams winning some games heading into the season. That's not bad. It's not. You know, Tony, you and I have talked about the fact that. Winning is a part of development, and you learn how to win, and you get addicted to winning. And, you know, like some guys say they'd rather uh, – it hurts more to lose than it feels good to win. But that that hurt last year for a lot of these guys, and they have pride. And, you know, that whole thing of us against the world, it's a real thing. We had in that clubhouse the other day before a spring training game. I was talking to Noda. He goes, we got to win this We got to win this game. <laughs> so it's like they, they want to win every game they go – They they know that feeling they had last year. And with these young guys, and they talk about the new A's, they, they want to have a, a championship mentality, as Kotze puts it. You know, play like a championship team, even though, you know, look, are, are the A's going to make the playoffs? Probably not. But but you want to have that championship mentality. And 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 that, that's stuff 
permeates throughout the clubhouse. And, and I'm telling you that, that those positive vibes uh, go from the young guys, the veteran guys, and all of a sudden you find yourself, uh, you know, they won three in a row before losing yesterday. They're back on the winning track today, hopefully. But it, it is spring training, but guys definitely want to win. You know, when you change the people that you employ, so this goes in all business, right? When you change the people you employ, there can be dramatic changes. So, and it's tough for people because we want to look, it's an organization and you only, you only won X amount of games last year. How could you improve that much? Or how did you win that many games last year and you now stink? Well, the humans inside the building change and change dramatically. I don't know. Cody, what was the record of the Miami Heat before everybody took their talents to South Beach? Uh, that's a great question. I don't I don't remember. I don't think they were very good. I remember they won the title a few years prior to that, but they weren't very good the year But that before. was with Shaq and Dwayne Wade. That was Dwayne Wade was a rookie, right? Wasn't he? Or yeah, so, no, co- he was only a couple years in the league. Uh, the year before they got LeBron and all them, uh, I don't remember the record. I don't. The team's not very good, or not a big names, but they were forty-seven and thirty-five, and they were in the playoffs. Okay, but they they. But you don't remember the record and who was on the team. That's what I'm saying. It's like you can look at football teams the year before weren't you know they had some signs. You change people, boom. Next thing you know, you, you could be winning or playing for the Super Bowl. So uh, we saw in 1991. We saw both the Braves and the Twins go from last place to the World Series. So. Once you change people and you change things, you can't. You last year doesn't matter. So that's why. No, I mean, so we shouldn't think no all doubt. these things are that crazy. Uh, we just talked to Jake Eisenberg, and we're talking about. I mean, the Royals should be because they've made so much change. They should be dramatically better. The A's should be dramatically better. And as you said uh, with the interview with Jake, uh, look. Uh, you never know, right? Like th- this division is wide open. This Central, this American League Central. So for the Royals. They look at the improvements they made, the additions they made, the big contract for Bobby Witt, and, and you know they're getting some stability there. Uh, you know they added some good pieces to the bullpen and Will Smith, and Chris Stratton. I mean, it's a team that could compete in a wide open AL Central. But you're right. Look, do you remember what happened May 26 last year with, with the A's? I don't. People have short memories, right? So again, we'll forget about last year. Try to make an improvement on this year. I, I that I couldn't believe, and uh, the the over under on on A's wins is fifty seven and a half, which is a joke. I mean, I I, there, I I don't think there's any question this team will win more than more than sixty games. I can't even imagine it's just the improvements they made. They're a year older. They they have that championship mentality. So so I I think it's going to be different this year. I think people do have short memories, County. They do, and I think this year you're going to forget about twenty twenty three. You see what happens in twenty twenty four. All right, the last time the Yankees have won the World Series was 2009, correct? Yeah, it's factual. By the way, also, you want a little fact there? They're the last team to lead the league in home runs and win the World Series. Hmm, really? Yeah, they're the last. So we put we put just an onus on hitting all these home runs. The last team yeah. to hit the most dingers and win the World Series was the 09 Yankees. Since 2009, how many times have the have the – the mag is the preview magazines. The pre- how many times since two thousand nine have people predicted the Yankees to win the World Series? Since two thousand nine, I, I don't, I, say, I, I don't have a number, no. but I'm gonna say it's probably over eighty percent. I mean, everybody, it's always chalk, right? Oh, the Yankees, the Yankees, Yankees, right? Man, it's just you just don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. You know what? 
like you said, Johnny, I don't remember April last year. I don't remember our, our, our spring training shows last year. But we do this every year, and we have all the people on. We have national people on. We have the local people from the markets on. I don't remember one person predicting the Snakes to be in the World Series. Oh, I know. Exactly. I, if they are, they're either, uh, yeah, they're either just wild fans making those predictions or they're not telling the truth because you're now, right. I did predict, oh. I did predict yeah. they were my team to click, as you like to say. They were my, so Cody, back me on that. They were my surprise team, and I went off the data of how much they dominated the second half and stealing bags, going first to third. I'm like, they're a young athletic team. They can do some damage. So that they, but no one, nobody predicted them to be in the World Series. Who predicted the oh, Rangers? Yeah. Who predicted the Rangers? Nobody. Yeah. yeah, that's the beauty of the beauty of this game, right? And then, you know, and we're gonna make our World Series. You know, before the year starts, the Commander, Townie, Dosky, we're gonna make our predictions, and uh, you know. I, obviously the commander's going to throw it back in my face in June or July when I know, you know, it's never, never about what he predicted. It's always, how did I miss it? So I guarantee the commander's going to come back at me in June and July and get on me for my picks. And I, I can't wait to make them. What, I, what, wait. What, what, I, can, I can hear now Johnny's taking Detroit. He's that's their sleeper in the central. Wait, did what, what was it? The white Sox? the white Sox, white Sox Cardinals world series. You like the White Sox? It's not. Oh, my God. You like the Cardinals last year? I did year? not say White Sox. I said Cardinals World Series. I did not say White Sox. I said White Sox made the playoffs. I did not say White Sox Cardinals World might Series. Have been blue, might not. have been Blue Jays Cardinals World Series. Yeah, bring back the tape. What was the old show, the uh, sports machine? Let's go to the tape. <laughs> right. Yeah. We You like the Cardinals to win the World Series last year, huh, Johnny? Oh man, wow. I think I, I think I Blue Jays over I think Blue Jays over Cardinals. What I had, the truth, it, it didn't go well. I don't even know who I picked. Uh, it, I have them all written down somewhere, it typed up somewhere. I I didn't yeah, I, bring those out. Didn't I pick the Rangers? Yeah, I think you had Rangers Diamondbacks in the World Series. <laughs> what a call! What a call! <laughs> hey, how many people? How many people pick Padres? I mean, oh, that was the sexy pick last year. That was the sexy or pick. Or the yeah. Mets. Yeah. Do you, do, do you realize Singa now hurt? Like, Singa, Singa's not going to throw for how long? Yeah, he's got a PR. He's got an injection, I think, so he's going to be out for a couple weeks. I think, look. Hey, 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 let's be honest. They still have the highest payroll in baseball, and they're still having this mass luxury tax hit. The Mets are. All these teams that went all in that the fans loved, right? Oh, we got Cohen's worth $16 billion. We got all oh, the Mets are going to win it every year. Look at the Padres. They're all – all these teams that did that were complete foldos last year. Yeah. At least you know with me, yeah. uh, Johnny uh, – Tony knows this already – Every year I pick the the Astros to go to the World Series and win. Are you picking the Astros again? Take the Astros again this year. Well, There's my American League champion. It's not a bad bet as they've been it's to the ALCS. A, is it, oh, is it, is it seven oh, straight years? Yeah. Johnny, they're they're in the ALCS every year. God, you know what he's doing, Johnny? He's going to go Astros Dodgers World Series. Watch. Watch. He's chalk. He's so he goes chalk. out on the limb, this guy. I'm telling you. Oh, no, no, no. His new thing will be the Orioles. His new thing will be. No, I'm still taking Houston. You're still taking Houston? It'll be Astros. Still too early. I got to see how spring training plays out. No, no, it will not be the Pirates. They will not be in the World Series. By the way, the Pirates, you know the spring training hats? I was watching the Pirates preview on MLB Network. The Pirates spring training hats are dope. Are they really? Oh, dude, they're all gold with the kind of just like ours, but it's the uh, 
The Pirates, the, is it what kind of, that black pea? Yeah. Oh, it looks sweet. Especially on Andrew Love. McCutcheon. By the way, Andrew McCutcheon, one dinger away from 300. It's impressive. We got to get to milestones. All right, Johnny, it's time for the greatest game streaming. Know your today. Know Royals. your Royals. Johnny. He's been hot. Johnny's been Johnny's on a heater right now. Now, this is a Kansas City-based question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because this guy is a friend of the program, and he just went into the Hall of Fame a few years ago with the Fort C. Frick Award. I was a Kansas City athletic and now am in the Baseball Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. Who am I? Uh... Uh, not Danny Matthews. No nope. play. You uh, got to be bleeping me, Johnny. He was. Uh, oh, Come George, on, George. Bro, he don't, I don't. I don't. No, no, a broadcaster. Say, broadcaster. Ford C. Frick Award is for broadcasters. He played. Oh, I know they are. I know they are. I'm just kind of confused. He was a Kansas City Athletic. Yes. yes. Friend, of, it, friend of this program. And he just went in recently as the Ford C. Frick Award winner. And he played for the Kansas. He he claims he's the inventor of the batting glove on the right hand. It was actually a golf glove. If you remember, he told us with the great Ray Fossey. He had he played right. he right. played so much golf that he had blisters, so he wore a golf glove. And he claims he Bro, invented his batting glove. There there are, there are, there are times when you draw a blank. I'm going to oh, come back wow. to it. That, I'm okay. going to come back to it. Stretch, Sorry. stretch. You can put oh, it on the board. Was... Yes, that'd be Hawk Harrelson. Oh, uh, Put on the board, yes. Um, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> I said the answer already. Ken Hawk Harrelson. It's Hawk Harrelson. All right, Hawk Harrelson. I'm sorry. Right, Johnny, wow, I'm sorry. that was right, bad, Johnny. Right, that right, was bad. Let's see if you can redeem yourself here, Johnny. Right. This is a, this is a softball. Sorry. I am the winningest manager in Kansas City Royals history, and I believe he's from Sacramento. Yes. Yeah, I think. Uh, so. Or is, somewhere is it, is, the valley. Is it Dick Hauser? No. 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 No, uh, no, 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 Johnny. Uh, more recent, Johnny. More recent. More recent. Uh, also a friend of the program. We've had him on before. Yes. God, bro, I'm in this mush right now. Uh, Born in Eureka. And actually went to Dublin High. Went to Dublin High. Went to Dublin High. Most, most wins in Royal... Beautiful Managing Dublin. Love Dublin. History. Uh, God, man, I don't know. It's uh, the great Ned Yost at 746 wins. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, not a big Royals guy. Wow. No, your Royals right. is off to a tough start. Johnny, I won three batting titles <laughs> in three different decades. Uh, George Brett. There don't you go. All right. Back on the board. Softball. Softball. Two players have been the All-Star Game MVP for the Royals. Who are they? Just name me one. Bo Jackson. That's one. Uh, and uh, 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 recently retired. Recently retired. Okay. Uh, Within the last like couple of days. Mm. Oh, next last couple of days. Yeah. Jeremy Guthrie. Uh, no, the uh, Eric <laughs> Eric Hosmer. Uh, Eric Hosmer. But I said, hey, you, but you got it right because I only said you only have to give me one. I'll give you two bonus. Name the ballpark yeah. where the All Star Game was. 
Oh, oh, Anaheim Stadium. Anaheim. Bo Jackson hit second. It was back-to-back yep. home runs. Who led off and hit the home run before Bo? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I'm coming, uh, up, with, I'm coming up with my own trivia. Man. That is a good – I don't know. Who was it? I eat a lot of chicken. Oh, Wade Boggs. Wow. Wade Boggs. It was wow. Ba- Boggs. Wow. Boggs and Bo Jackson went man. back to back. Off who? Oh, come on. You got, Do you guys watch baseball in your lives? Rick Russell, Giant San great. Francisco Giant. All right, Johnny. Yep. The Royals have had one number one overall pick in their history. Who did they take? One? Was it, was it Bobby Witt Jr.? Uh, no, he was second, actually. Oh, that's a true okay. question. George Brett just was a second rounder. Uh, He's out of the SEC, correct? If I'm thinking right. Uh, Played at uh, Tennessee. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Oh, man. Who was it? I know who, who it is. Game? Would be the great Luke Hoshaver. Yeah, he went to the University of Tennessee. Oh, yeah, nice. Okay. All right, let's see if we can get let's see if we get this one, Johnny. Who did George Brett hit the home run off of during the pine tar incident? Oh, come on. It's off. Gossage. There yes. you go. Back on track. I spent yeah. 12 of my 13 major league seasons in Kansas City as a pitcher, and now I'm a major league broadcaster. Who Friend, am I? Wonderful friend of the program. We've had him on as almost as much as anybody from a former, from a, from another team. Teammates called him Cabana Boy. Cabana Boy. (laughs) Broadcaster, presently a broadcaster in the big leagues. From from New Jersey. That's why they call him Cabana Boy. Big, tall, strapping man. Yeah, I just saw him last. I just just saw him. I just saw him. I I can't remember the name. I can't remember his name. That'd be uh, the great Mark Gubaza. Gooby. Gubaza. I don't know what's going on with me, bro. It's all right. Who threw the did last? You, did you get a good night's sleep? I mean, you said you were going to, ever since I left, you're going to eat salads. You're going to start working That's out. That's why the salads are why. What the hell's going on? Not the brain food. I, got, I need to eat worse. I think I'm eating better. I, my trivia's going. I got I don't know. <laughs> All right, Johnny, we'll give you two more here. Who threw the most recent Royals no hitter? Oh, this is tough. The most recent? Because, Johnny, it's not recent. It's not recent. I'll give you, I'll give you the air. It was 91. Oh, a ninety-one. Uh, uh, was it? Uh, was it Saberhagen? There you go. Ding, 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 ding. Isn't that hard to believe? They haven't thrown a no hitter since ninety-one. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's I hit the walk off. I had the walk off hit in Game Six of the nineteen eighty-five World Series versus the Cardinals. Ooh. He was a pinch hitter too. Uh, uh, it was Dane Orge. Yes. 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 Give me my Balboni though. Just I want to hear what you get. I, I said we got to come up with a Steve Balboni. I, I just I just phrase it from the question from the thing I read, but it was like I led the Royals in home runs in 1985, which led to a legend that a team with a player hitting 35, 36 or more home runs can't win the World Series. Who am I? It was Steve Balboni. Yeah, the next guy to do it was Luis Gonzalez in 2001. Wow, they won the World Series. That's what the like someone coined it. It was a writer or something. So there you go, Johnny. Came back a little bit. That slow start. That that uh, that that uh, Hawk Harrelson's going to haunt me. I won't be able to sleep tonight because that Hawk Harrelson. That's my. Yeah. That's I, I can give you one more Kansas City Athletics questions to redeem yourself. Oh, 
I was taken number one overall in the first major Rick, league. Rick that, there it is. Johnny's back. Out of? Uh, Arizona State. Oh, there you go. There you go. Charlie Fenley. Johnny, have a great broadcast today. And tomorrow, tomorrow, it's know your who tomorrow. Well, no on Saturday. Oh, then who do we got? Monday's know your Reds. Know my Reds? Okay, I'll study. I think it's the Reds we play on Monday, right? I think. Ooh. You know one of the cool things when we were at Goodyear? I can only ask you so many Frankie Montas questions, Johnny. Um. (laughs) Exactly. Walking, walking into the elevator that takes you up to the luxury suites, and the, they had all this Johnny Bench memorabilia. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, I love that. Love that. That's a cool. That's a cool little ballpark. Yeah, I, 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 I like. I mean, if they, if they, if you could get a cup of coffee, it'd be better. But other than that, I thought it was a good. I was, exactly. <laughs> yep, seriously, exactly. what is it about spring training? You can't find coffee or ice. I know. But it, it, it is know. it is the Reds on on Monday, Johnny. So goodbye, Johnny. Have a good call, Johnny D. Know your Royals. Yeah, it's crazy. There's just no coffee. So when we we're at Camelback Ranch, we had to like go into this employees thing, and they had a Keurig, and we like walked in. They're like, "Whoa!" We just say, hey, "We're the A's. Can we just get a cup of coffee?" I mean, you can't get coffee. It's more. It's the morning, right? Yeah. We're getting there at like ten, ten thirty. You can't get coffee. And then the press box will have, like, water, Coke, and Diet Coke, and that's it. It's like no ice. No, it's just, it's brutal. Real quick before we go, the Royals have had three Cy Young winners in their history. Can you name one of them? Or can you name all of them? A little Grinky. Grinky. Uh, Johnny mentioned one of them already. Brett Saberhagen. Oh, the other one's your guy. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, David Cohn. There you go. There's the three Royals. Look at you. Can't get anything by you. The great David Cohn. Those are the three. And then then that after that. After after David Cohn won the Cy Young is when the tour of the him becoming the assassin that everybody would bring in. He starts getting traded, and he start, and then until he lands with the Yankees and then wins all that with the Yankees. But he was the hired gun of hired guns. Remember he went to the Blue Jays. David Cohn was the good. I love David Cohn. Well, that's going to do it for this week. All right. First Thank you, back. everybody, for – watching and listening to A's Cast Live on A's Cast. We truly appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay dry. It's going to be really, really wet. Good luck to everybody. It's going to, right? It's going to be a lot of rain. Yeah, it's supposed to rain, yeah. But stay safe, and then we'll be back on Monday for Know Your Who? Reds. No, the the Reds and the A's got some history, boy. A lot of history. Know your Jeff Brantley. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy coming up next. It's the Athletics and the Royals right here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.